Hey guys, episode three, Metal to the Masses podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uslar. This episode, I am so stoked for this episode, man. You guys probably already know the news. I announced it and then I wanted, you know, to release this podcast around the same time just to, you know, further promote, further give you guys some more information about the Ghost Clash, baby. I sat down with my good friend, Dan Bell, and, uh, you know, we shot the shit. I talked to him about this meet a while back, and, you know, he wanted in right away. He wants to go for that 1,200 kilo total, and, uh, you know, so he's the first confirmed athlete. We shot the shit. We talked a little bit about the meet. We talked a little bit about my goals for the meet, his goals for the meet. And then we got a little bit into the story of Dan Bell. We talked about his history with powerlifting, him getting into the pow- into powerlifting at a very, very later age in life, not not early on. And uh, you know, me watching his videos when he first got into powerlifting. And overall, it was just a really fun, cool conversation with a very, very cool guy. I'm super excited about the Ghost Clash. Stay tuned. Check it out on Instagram. If, uh, invites are going out soon. And that's that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Metal to the Masses. All right, here we are. I am joined by Mr. Dan Bell. We were just shooting the shit for like 30, 30 minutes, and I realized we weren't even recording yet. So we got, we got tons of like pre-talking out of the way. We have tons of cool things to talk about. Dan, welcome, man. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me on, man. This is a, a, a blessing, I'm sure. Like just to be part of what you got going on down there and, you know, Florida, Florida natives now. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll intro you a little bit. Dan Bell, if you guys don't know, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. If you don't know who he is, I mean, that'd be kind of weird. He has the heaviest total of all freaking time. All right. He is one of the best power lifters to ever walk. He's not done yet. He's going to set that bar even higher. He is now a Florida man. Okay, so that, uh, you know, we were able to see each other on a pretty frequent basis. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a pretty fun episode. We'll dive into, you know, his powerlifting history, what brought him to, uh, you know, Florida and where he comes from later on in the episode. But, you know, the beginning, I want him to kind of just talk about, you know, current currently his state of powerlifting, you know, what he's done this year, how he's felt about this year, uh, what's to come next for him uh, later this year or in powerlifting in general. And that will segue us into something pretty exciting that I've been, you know, working on and waiting to announce that, you know, I told Dan about first and he, you know, 100% wanted to be involved in it. So I thought it'd be awesome to be able to record an episode and announce it to the world with this man letting the world know about about it so with that being said dan how you been this year man how do you feel you this this year you know you you went from having all-time world records you know and people know who knew who you were but this year with the the last couple the the last meets you really made a huge huge statement oh yeah i felt like i really had to after uh peter took the world record from me in december and i was Right then, I was starting to gun up for the uh, showdown meet that you had, and um, it just really—I I never trained like I like that before. I had my eye on the prize, and it was it was go time. You know, I got lucky enough to have the perfect day that I did have in Miami there in February. That was that was beautiful, and then uh, just to, it was kind of a time crunch going to the Kern, uh, but Gracie asked me to come out and do it, and I did, and then just to put that that world record squad up there too. That meant a lot to me too. Just to, like 
Of course, I didn't finish the day like I wanted to, but that's that's powerlifting. You roll the dice and pray for the best. So I was pretty happy. Now, now I'm kind of chilling. I'm, I I kind of you know put my exclamation point on my total with that world record squat, and I'm just I'm just hanging out now, trying to fully recover and dabbling in strongman a little stuff like that. It's been uh been pretty fun i've you know trying to venture out into that world a little bit more here i got one show that i'm going to do in september but then i'm going right back to the grindstone for uh a powerlifting meet i'm doing please in november um but uh yeah it just now it's like finally getting to enjoy the life because going back to back like that it was really from december until the end of april i was peaking more or less and that kind of stuff puts a lot of stress on me my wife my my life so it's just now it's kind of nice to be able to enjoy it a little bit more and feel a little more lackadaisical with the training and just uh having fun again yeah absolutely man so i'm curious because i feel like at one point whether it's you told me or you said it on social media you kind of wanted to set like a set a bar and then take a you know maybe even even longer extended period back from competing and i'm not sure if that was before petra broke the record if that was leading up to the showdown but then you know next thing i know you're like now you know what i'm, I'm not finished yet i'm going to take a little bit of time back but i got i got i got some shit that i still want to do even though you still have the you know the all-time world record but Tell me a little bit about that. Why why does it not feel, you know, like Yeah. Well, okay, so it's been November nineteenth up here at the American Barbell Open when I took uh the world record from Ade. I chipped it by you know, twenty five thirteen stuck around for a long time and I went twenty five eighteen. And like of course I felt like I had a little bit more on that day, but I had to play my cards right just to get that record alone. And twenty five hundred's no no slouch of a day for anybody. Yeah, that's, no that's quite the chore. So I, I was happy with it, but I wasn't comfortable. And I knew I had more in the tank. And then, like, I, you and I talked, and I was planning on doing the hybrid. And then Peter took the record back, and like I said, it just lit a fire under my ass. And then being able to do that uh, 2606 at the meet and knowing that I left some on the platform just by – having it enough of hitting the record world record squat and uh, another bigger bench at the Kern. Um, I really felt like 925 deadlift would have been there if my hands would have held up. So um, I want, like I never had the goal of, of getting to 1200 kilos uh, total, but I really think it's feasible now if I kind of put all the time in and um, just play my cards right, I feel like it's possible. And I really think that, 2645 is what it would be at 1200 kilos that's that's gonna be untouchable for a couple of years i believe and don't get me wrong i think 26 is too but um there's still a couple guys that if they had the perfect day just like i did could reach out and get that or, or if not more or so i'm i'm a little bit more comfortable than i was at 25 30 18 but i, I still like to like to stay uncomfortable to keep progression and i I'm injury free, so I I can't be too mad about about that. I I tore my calf last September and bounced back from that pretty well. So I mean, um, now it's just just about you know time and everything and playing my cards right to be able to get the 1200 kilo total you know healthy and uh, injury free again. That's that's kind of my next goal. <laughs> I've always said it kind of been kind of funny, but I actually plan on being one of my next tattoos is uh kind of live my life one kilo at a time and oh, now yeah. it's really at that point where the next <laughs> the next kilo is what really matters to me and i think it's there and 
I mean, I don't think I'll ever be out of the sport, but throttling down and backing off of being 400 pounds and trying to work a day job and being 400 pounds and trying to be a good husband, like just the monotonous stuff that comes with powerlifting is where I want to like put put my nail in the coffin at 1200 and kind of say see you for a little bit, enjoy life like I am doing now. It's just, that's kind of what I foresee in my future. I'm 35 years old now, so I just, I'm not not getting any younger. So it's just, it's time to. Time to let the young kids. I mean, Andrew Haas, you know, he was just squad the grand today, and there's plenty of other kids coming up like crazy. Let let them have a spotlight for a little bit. I'm all about sharing, and I'm all about whatever makes the sport a better place. So, so you guys, you heard it here first. Dan said after he hits that 1200, he's cutting down to 220, right? And he's coming for that 220 <laughs> all-time world record, baby. <laughs> Shit, nah, man. I, I hear you, man. I hear you. And it, like what you said at at the showdown, you had the perfect day, and you had the perfect day that showed you weren't at your ceiling. You had a lot more in the tank. But where it gets difficult from a peaking standpoint, an athlete standpoint, from a recovery standpoint, is then trying to do that quick turnaround, you know? It's like, you know, those higher numbers would have been there on that perfect day, but then trying to maintain, you know, that with all the fatigue in your body going into that next meet, it's less than ideal. So I feel like what you're doing right now, giving yourself that nice long off season, getting healthy, knowing that you have that foundation and that when it's ready to peak, you're peaking for that one moment and you know what you're reaching for in that moment. You know, when leading, yeah. leading up to uh, uh, the, the showdown where you hit that 2606, did you have like that number and that goal in mind of hitting over 2600 or was it just getting your all time world record back? No, I had, it's actually, uh, I, I have a van, uh, Mercedes Sprinter, that is my work truck, and there's a cooler right in between the seats, and I had 11, 6, and 9 rode on that cooler for, well, it's been over a year now, so that, like, kind of brought it to fruition through that, you know, just, uh, but th- th- that, was, that was my goal. I'm pretty sure I just saw the sheet of paper the other day, I actually hung it on the refrigerator, uh, the sheet of paper that I wrote down my peak or the hybrid. And I think I was only at like 1068 and uh, 596 and then 881 because that would have took the world record back from Peter. So I just kind of, like I, that was where I started my peak at. But as it kept going, like and when I got five, six weeks in, I was like, damn, all these, all these weights are moving great. Like, let's, let's turn it up a notch. And that's exactly what I did. And uh, hybrid, I, I still... I got so emotional right after the meet, like right after you got the awards and Nick gave me that shirt and whatever. Uh, right after that, I, I walked in the back room because I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't expect it to happen that fast. Right. Like I said, Peter broke it in December. I did that I did that in February. And I just got really emotional because I was like, finally, like, yes, this is this exactly what I wanted. It was like the big goal of mine, but I didn't know it was going to happen that day like it did. And it could have been more beautiful. I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of like beginner lifters and people listening that that shows a lot of maturity and a lot of time in the sport where this was a long term goal. And, you know, it's something that he wanted, but he didn't put all of his cards into it happening on that day. Right. Like these young lifters are like, oh, I need to total this. I need to total this at this meet or else I'm a fucking loser. And, you know, I'm, I'm never going to compete again. It's like <laughs> it's a fucking long game. You know, it's a long game and things don't always go exactly how you want them. But just set those, you know, those lower expectations for you to reach and then fucking when you when when you're when you're way above and beyond them it's going to feel that much better right 
blow, yeah, just blowing out of water. I was the same way. And I've, I've had plenty of the meets too where my peak was great and I get the meet day and I'm just not there. Yep. And it's just like not at all. And it's all like you kind of would just said maturity and a little bit more experience with what's going on. And like even the day of the meet, uh, I, I was like, man, okay, I'm opening at 10:25. Like I got to make my warm up perfect. And even going into bench, I'm like, I, if I hit my last bench, like it's, it's game over. Like I secured the day. All I got to do is pick up 900. You saw I had to do that twice too. It was, yeah, it was quite the, quite the, you just like trying to figure out what factors could go wrong and trying to do what you can to prevent that. It, it helps a ton, but it, it also comes with experience and a lot of lifters now don't have that. And I, like you were saying earlier, I, I do see a lot of the new lifters. They're like, Oh, I don't want to get on the platform. Let's say 2,100 total. Like, why? If right. I had that mentality when I started, I would have never gotten on the platform at all. Right. And it's just like, get in it, get it, have fun. You guys see how addicting this sport actually is. That platform adrenaline will change your life. I know it did me. So <laughs> just like that, the little, little things like that for a new lifter, like it'll, it'll change it for good. Yeah, man. A hundred percent. So, you know, on that subject of that meet, so, you know, the, the, the showdown, not the showdown, but the one that I ran, right, for, for many years now, um, you know, was something that was a big part of my life and something that I, I love to be able to do. And, like, you know, being able to put that on and have lifters like you and Hack and all these people come and, you know, do all that on that platform, it's like something I got to continue, right? Many people know that I'm not with, you know, the company that I previously worked for. I'm doing my own thing now, branched off on my own. And it's like that that legacy that I had created with that meat, it's time to fucking continue it, right? So that's what we're here to kind of well, shoot definitely. the shit about and, and, and brainstorm and talk about, you know? So if you guys are listening to this, you've probably already seen the social media that I've created for the continuation of essentially the meat that I've ran over the last couple of years, um, you know, in, in, uh, in uh, uh, early winter and what, 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 I mean, what is February? Is February winter? Whatever, I don't know. But my February meet every, every year... Have- we don't have winter here, right? We don't have those, man. We don't have those down here, man. <laughs> well, all that long-winded rant to, to bring to you guys what I hope to be one of the next big meet, biggest meets in the entire world is the Ghost Clash. So that's what me and Dan are going to shoot the shit and talk about a little bit right now. Still going to be in February, like my previous meets that I ran were. We're looking at February 12th and 13th. So the reason why, you know, I started explaining to Dan, you know, the goal of it, the reason why I came up with that name, which I, I freaking love that name. I think it's a, it's a pretty cool name. It's different. It's not another showdown, another classic, another open, another, you know, it's, it's the clash, right? Exactly. exactly. So why is it the clash? Because if you guys have competed in my meet in previous years, it's a two-day meet. The first day is open registration anyone can compete. It can be your first meet. You can have a zero Wilkes. You can have a whatever. You get to compete on that day. You're going to be around all those lifters who are competing on day two. Those lifters on day two, historically, the minimum requirement is a 450 Wilkes. For this year, I'm going to maintain that minimum requirement. So that is more or less kind of a breakdown of the ghost clash. I've been talking to Dan a little bit about it because, you know, he's a big part of the sport. And my goal with doing this meet is giving back to the sport, giving back to the lifters. You know, I'm not trying to to try to make money off of running meets and, you know, become rich running meets. I just love doing them with all my heart. And it's something that's so cool to me. So, uh, yeah. 
No, for sure. Like when we talked at the current and you were throwing around the idea back in April, like I could just tell like the genuineness in your voice and how you were talking about the meat. And that's when, the, like, I don't know. I think I like, like to think I'm a pretty good judge of person, but when I could tell that sincerity in your voice about this meat, what you wanted to carry on from the last couple that you've done in, not to mention, I went two years ago, I was down there and I handled Tom and I helped out and I saw like, how everything was in tune, how the lifters meant something to the meat director. Like you weren't, this just isn't a cash grab like it is with most meat directors. And like just seeing that on top of the way you talk about it, like I knew I had to be part of it. Like anything that's going to make the sport better, I want to, I want to do what I can to pay homage to that and, you know, pay it forward. Just kind of what you're doing with this meat. I'm really excited for this. A hundred percent, man. And I think, I think you nailed it right there where, where the issue is, is powerlifting so big. There's so many people to go around. There's so many meets to be had. There's so many meets to, you know, be able to join, but what's going to differentiate it? Sure. A well-run experienced uh, meet director running, uh, you know, a timely meet, an, an organized meet. That's all very, very important. And, but there's a lot of meet directors have been doing it a long time and you're not going to, you're going to go to probably more meets that are pretty well run than than poorly run if you're going to a, a semi-big meet. You know, there's a lot of guys have been in it for a long time. But where the issue is, is some of these meet directors, it's essentially their full-time job, you know, because it could right. be. And it could be, hell, it could be for me too. Florida is freaking huge. You know, it's huge. But I, I don't love running meat that much. <laughs> that I want to do it every <laughs> single weekend, you know. And ultimately, no. because I have multiple businesses and I have other jobs, you know. And the amount of time and energy and passion that goes into just planning one big meet, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Leading up to this meeting right now where you and I are starting to talk about it and announce it, and I'm announcing the next couple of days, I've been a nervous wreck. I've been sweating. I've been so nervous because I want people to receive it well. You know, before, like, I had I had a name backing it and it had already been established and people knew what it was. So it's like I just want people to understand this is a continuation of what has been under a new umbrella, under a new name, but with the same love, with the same passion, with giving back to the lifters, you know? And ultimately, it's like that's that's where I wanted to improve on previous years where I didn't have financial control because I wasn't it wasn't fully my thing, and now I can have full financial control to ensure that the lifters are well taken care of and this can be, you know, one of eventually the the you know, next to the US Open where it's the most money in the sport because there's tons of money in this sport. There's tons of money to go around. It's just a matter of where you're allocating it. Like, I'm able to make a full career out of powerlifting. Powerlifting is my career, and I live very, very well, and I'm extremely, extremely grateful. However, I choose to allocate my, you know, my financial income via different ways. This, like what I told you, you're like, oh, I get it. You know, running a meet is a business. Like, you, you can still make money off of it. And yes, sure, I can. But my, my outlook and my perspective on it is instead... I don't need to because at the end of the day, it's going to feed all of my other businesses. If I run this meet and I have, you know, my apparel set up, I have my training, I have all these things. It's going to, it's going to bring good reputation. It's going to bring clientele to my other businesses that feed me at the end of the day. So it's great free marketing. That downward trickle. Exactly. It's a downward trickle. And then, (laughs) you know, and so I'm able to, you know, put everything into making this meet, you know, the best that it possibly can. So, 
yeah, I'm I'm super excited for that. Like you, like you and I talked about, you know, the only issue in previous years is the, the prize pool for how big of the caliber of the meat it was. It it wasn't quite what it should be. So it's like that was one of the first things that I'm like I'm racking my brain. Like how can how can I make it truly financially incentive without even having sponsors yet backing it and people even aware of it? And it's like starting out, boom, we're gonna announce it with a minimum 20k prize money which already makes it one of the, the highest handful of highest paid powerlifting meets in the world. And that's without any sponsors, without anyone backing it. So I'm super excited for it, man. I was, I was so grateful to have that conversation with you back at the Kern because, you know, I was nervous to now do this thing on my own, someone that doesn't have as big of a reach as, you know, the previous company that I worked for. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's ballsy, but I think it's worth it just because the direction that they're going and the, like like it's almost like they're leaving powerlifting alone again which that's fine good for them more power to them but you still are being the staple of miami the february meet everybody from the north wants to come and all the best in the world know about the meet because all the best have already been there so if you keep keep it like you have been and you know just your name I, i'm really excited about how this is going to explode i think it can definitely be a long-term 10 20 year thing for sure without man. a doubt you know and especially being backed by ghost i mean uh, i know tim personally and he's a very great guy he cares about powerlifting he's always cared about powerlifting hell when i met him he was a 275er that was just trying to bench 500 again like he i, I didn't have any idea he would blow up and get the company and do everything that he has done these last couple of years but really great you guys met at a upa meetup there or something when you lived up there yeah, for that's sure. cool. That's cool. We'll talk more about that where you're from and competing and stuff. But yeah, man, no, I, I'm stoked. And it's like, you know, having that reassurance and having all that, it makes me super excited for it. And again, I'm, I'm super excited to be able to announce it here with you. And so, so what's the deal? What's going to happen at that meet? What's your goal? I think it's, it's simple to say, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. 2645. That's it, bro. That's, that's my plan. Yeah. Like, the way you and I talked about it with the calendar, it worked out really perfect because if I do that meet in sleeves in November, just carry over a two-week deload and bump right back into another 12 weeks in wraps, which that's going to work perfect. I've done that multiple times before. So, yeah, I'm, I was talking to the wife uh, just last night, and I was like, I'm the end of this year, and next year is going to be awesome. For, like, I'm pumped. Like, I've been... You know, just get it over with, put the nail in the coffin, have a perfect day, have a great time, you know, enjoy it, and, you know, hopefully get to do it on the platform with a bunch of my friends like we did last year, and I'm hoping to definitely set that up with you, and let's let's run it. I'm excited, man. Hell yeah, man. I'm, I'm so, so stoked for that, and you guys heard it here first, 1,200 going down to Miami. It's like, and who the, who the hell doesn't want to come to Miami in February? Like you said, we don't have winter here. I said it's winter for all you guys in the north that are going to be coming out because you might be battling snowstorms and shit, but it's going to be nice as hell here. So, yeah, man. Bring, bring your sunscreen. That's it, man. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't wait for, you know, everyone to see Ghost Gym and everything that's, you know, that's planned with that end of things, and you guys will start receiving invites. Uh, this episode is going to be going out in a couple days. 
Invites might already have been sent out, but invites or open registration for the public won't be live until sometime in July. So be on the lookout, be ready. Whether you are a novice level lifter just starting out in powerlifting or you have stepped on my platform before and you're an all-time world record holder, I can't wait to clash both of these worlds together and continue this this legacy that I've been able to uh, you know begin and have you guys all a part of. So I'm super stoked about that. So mo- moving on, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Dan Bell. Let's talk a little bit about Dan Bell's history, all right? So the, my, this podcast, we started with this kind of like as an advertisement and a promo for this meet and talking about it, you know, and announcing it like that. But ultimately, the, the podcast, I'm interviewing different lifters who uh, – lifters or people involved in the heavy music scene because my personal background before lifting was underground music, playing in bands, touring in bands, all that kind of stuff. And music is was my first love before lifting was my first love. So – this it's not necessarily just I'll interview people who don't listen to heavy music not as many of them but I know you like heavy music I don't know what kind of heavy music you like so I want to know about what kind of music Dan Bell likes I want to know about what got Dan Bell into lifting his athletic history let, let, let's just dive into Dan Bell oh, that's awesome I, I it's weird because like I go through spurts to where like I'll listen to country for a month and then I'll listen to hate breed for a month. Or like I'll listen to like just rap for a month. Like I just go in like little spurts. Like, and I've always done that with music. It's really kind of weird. But yeah, in this moment, it's got to be one of my all-time faves. I've seen him in concert more than a couple times. The Marina, I mean, if you, Marina Briggs, come on, like she's gorgeous. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm a pretty pretty open book when it comes to or like open to anything when it comes to music uh, for sure. I know I've paid attention to a lot of a few of your podcasts, and I, I tell how you and uh, Tim uh, from Ritual, that you guys get along pretty well. Yeah. So, with, uh, <laughs> with all that. So, we both come from that cool. world. I'm, right, of course. Actually, my very first concert, I was uh, 11 years old, there was a Papa Roach concert, and this was kind of like early in his grungier days, yeah. I guess you could say. I mean, Last Resort just came out like at that time, and like I just fell in love with just the scene everybody was just like moshing we're all having a great time and then like after the show everybody's walking out giving high fives like it was just cool like like 10 minutes before they're trying to rip each other's head off you know it yeah was just, it was down that, that, that scene was pretty cool and it was at a tiny little amphitheater in central illinois like it was just wild but i didn't know what the hell was going on but it was fun and just like seeing that back in the day like i've always loved papa roach too so um yeah, my music it kind of goes. It varies from from here to there, and like, I got no problem getting down with the hippie stuff too. I've been seeing quite a few of uh, slightly stupid AJR, Dirty Heads. Like uh, it's, it's just whatever's clever. I don't know. If you, have you ever heard of the St. Augustine Amphitheater? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's it's really close. It's only like forty minutes from the house, so. I'm always paying attention to the calendar just to go try to find a concert, just to go up there because the amphitheater is all outside. It's gorgeous. The sun sets right over the top of the stadium. It's like, it's pretty cool. Like just to be able to see that the atmosphere with a, a concert right in front of you too. It's, that's pretty awesome. It's the but, energy, man. Yeah, it's the yeah. energy. It, and that's where it goes hand in hand with powerlifting, the energy of music. That's why it's like, I call it metal, but it's like, I have that exact same appreciation for music where I can listen to 
everything except like techno and house music. I fucking hate that shit. But anything that has an <laughs> instrument and is like written by a human, not on a computer, you know, I can appreciate it. I love all genres of music and I can appreciate all of them. And it's just that music, it just, you, you feel it, right? You feel it deep inside. And it's, yeah. that, that, it's that energy as humans that we kind of, we seek after, but it's not for everyone. Not everyone has that passion about music. You know, like my, my wife is just kind of like, she's, she's okay with it. She's whatever about it, you know? But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I love that, man. I love that. Uh, I, I ran into quite a few people that were that same way. Like they just, they're just like, uh, I was like, there's certain songs that mean so much to me. Like, cause like, I don't know if it was just that time in my life when I was feeling this song and this, I heard that song. So like stuck with me for so long, but like music has like always had a deep passion. Like certain songs can bring out like so many emotions on different levels for just me alone. And my, my wife's a little bit like yours or she's like, song dan i'm like nah, it's not just a song yeah <laughs> man dude a hundred percent what you said is exactly it like it will bring you back to another time whether you were a fucking child whether you were a teenager whatever it is it brings you back and it sometimes brings you happiness sometimes like, you feel like you're gonna cry and you don't even know why you know music i i love that i love that man because yeah. it's so funny because I'll, I'll hear a song that i haven't heard in like 12 15 years and it's like i remember it just because like music just flows through me so much my wife would be like how the hell do you remember the words to that like it's just like i don't know it's just in you you know <laughs> that's cool i love that that's dude awesome. i love that so okay there you go heavy music early on that's what i wanted to freaking hear uh so what about lifting tell me about your your lifting journey whether it was uh through sports first how did you get started where did a barbell get introduced oh that's funny um, well, like going up through high school, we, I grew up in a small farm town in central Illinois and legitimately had 32 people in my graduating class. So, I mean, it was like itty bitty and, uh, we had football, didn't have wrestling, but I always played football. I was actually pretty damn good at football just cause I was six, one, three thirty. Like I was the biggest kid on the field. So it, it was, it was awesome. It was good. And the lifting kind of started there. I had a coach that he always pushed me and he's like, Kid, you're the strongest kid on the field, whether you know it or not. Like, just let's let's train all summer. And like, it was like junior year is when I really like started taking it serious. Where like before I was just the stoner kid, and then like junior year I kind of like flipped the switch to where I was the kid that was beating up the stoner, like the jock, <laughs> I guess you could say, you know. And uh, yeah, it just kind of like flipped the switch for me. And then um, after high school, I didn't really get a chance. Like I went to community college for a year and I was just like, college isn't for me. I just can't do it. Like, I guess I couldn't do it. I just didn't want to apply myself. I was more worried about getting drunk and chasing ass than anything. And uh, I ended up going to a tech school. Uh, when I was in college, when I was in community college, I did play a little uh, men's league rugby. So, I mean, I always tried to stay a little bit somewhat in shape, but never training was never really something I – I did continuously. Uh, when I was 18, I actually did a powerlifting meet that I, I bombed out of. Actually, it's nice. pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I was in, in Chicago, and uh, I never deadlifted before the meet. I had no idea what I was doing. So when we were going to give our openers, I was standing next to Ernie Jr., Ernie Littlebridge Jr., and I'm like, yeah, whatever that little guy's doing, I'll do it for my deadlift opener. And he, he was opening with 600, and I couldn't budget. So I nice, dude. <laughs> so you, that was, you were 18 then. So that was like, what, 17 years ago, huh? What Was it was it raw? Yeah, was it single right. ply? Or you just walked in and, and, and closed and the singlet, and yeah. that's it? 
I used my dad's high school singlet and because he wrestled. And then I like knee wraps I bought there that day. I wore Nike shocks to squat in. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing whatsoever. It was it was disgusting. <laughs> so that was that was your first exposure to powerlifting, but you didn't even pursue it after that. You were just like, okay, whatever, moving on. Yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. I'm like, I did I did all this, and I didn't even get a trophy. Like, what's going? Like, what the hell? Right. So I kind of gave up on it. Yeah, I gave up on it, and I was like, ah, whatever. This ain't for me. Fast forward, uh, 2010. And I was trying to get in. I was like, didn't know where I was taking my life. I had a great job. Of course, I went to a technical school. Uh, got done with that. Got my job. I'm working on my job. I'm like, man, I don't know where my life's going. I'm young enough. Let me go to the Marine Corps. So I started training my butt off. I did like insanity. I don't know if it's like a P90X type thing. I, I remember did, I that, did yeah. that. And then on top of that, yeah, I was on top of that, I was also going to the gym quite frequently. And like following... I just, it was only magazines. I had like a little bit of YouTube, but not it was nothing was like pushed out there, and I had no idea who to look at. Like how I think I just got a Motorola Droid, so like I found out what YouTube was through that, and uh, started losing weight, losing a bunch of weight. And I was my main goal was trying to get in the Marine Corps. How how, like how, how big were you? Oh, Three ninety. Like, okay, wow. That was my question. How big were you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went from like 390 in late 2009 to late 2011. I was 240, 6'2", 240. Like, Whoa, I had, had a goal. I was like, I want to be, I want to be like, I, I want to be like Arnold. Like, because Arnold, I was looking at the muscular development, all those books like that. And Arnold was 6'1", 240. And I'm like, I can do that. No problem. And uh, of course, the Marine Corps was like, hey, I you need to get down to 240. I got to 240. They're like, oh, you want, you need to get down to 215. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't, there ain't no way. But so this is like 2012. And I'm like, man, I don't know. If I, want, I want to lose another 40 pounds. Like, I don't know if I can. I was already getting to the age limit too. And I'm just like, oh, let me just, let me just have fun with lifting and go back to my roots and just like enjoy, not have to worry about being a, being a Marine or anything like that. So I moved back to Galva. I was living in Peoria at the time, and I moved back to Galva, Illinois, my little hometown that I grew up in. And going to the gym with these twenty at the time they were twenty one year olds, and I was like twenty seven. And uh, they're like, "Hey, you know, there's this competition coming up. It's just a uh, bench press and deadlift. You want to try it?" And it was for uh, like a group, uh, like a home homeowners association that just lost all their homes to, to a tornado. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, like, why not? That'd be fun. We go there. I benched 425, and I deadlifted 715. And the the deadlift, is it was so funny. Completely up on both of my toes. The calf raised the bar at the end of it. And, like, it was it was hilarious. But there was a bunch of guys there from Jack Hardcore Gym in Montgomery, Illinois. And they're like, kid, have you had any idea what you are capable of? Like, you would be really good at powerlifting. And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, I'll think about it. What this and that. Started taking it a little bit more serious. Signed up. That was in December 2013. The January, or February 2014 was my first meet. And it just, 
took off from there. So, you, but you, so you had been you had been working out because, like you said, you were doing insanity, P ninety X, trying to lose weight. You were going in a gym and you were doing barbell movements because you had probably done those throughout yeah. high school. And like you said, when you were eighteen, you had done that too. So you trained a barbell, but there was no like ever progression. It was just like, come in today. I'm gonna hit some chest. I'm gonna do this, that, and the other. And you were just strong as hell. Yeah, he was maxed out. He was maxed out, and that, <laughs> it was funny because. Even the first, like, almost year of powerlifting, I still train that same way. Like, hey, let's max out. <laughs> hey, let's max out. Because so you're hitting like, new PRs constantly, start. right? You got those beginner <laughs> gains, right? You don't really know what you're capable exactly. of yet. Exactly. <laughs> no, 100%. And then you find out, like, uh, it was the Chris- Christmas of 14. I got my first pair of Oli shoes, and I figured out, you know, how to hit depths and uh, how to get a good arch in my bench, how to tighten my latch. Just those little tiny cues that I was getting from, you know, people in my gym, but then, like, looking at Andre and Eric and all the all-stars of powerlifting at that same time, too, because I just found this niche and wiggled my way into it. My first meet, I told in 1906, and at that time, it put me at uh, number 12, no, number nine in the country at 308. So I'm like, hey, God, I could kind of be good at this. And like, let's try to be number one. Uh, fast forward to uh, really 2015, I was number one in the 308. So, and then, of course, here comes Eric. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to super heavy. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. were, were you training? Because yeah. well, you, had, you had said years, years back, you, you inter- interacted with the Little Bridges. Were you training with them those first couple years that you were getting into it, uh, 2013, 2014, 2015? Yeah. yeah, they were like about four hours north of where I lived. And I'd run out there. Eric was actually my first coach. I think that had a lot to do with myself. I have so much respect for the guy. He's such a good dude. I still talk to him probably once a month or something like that. And uh, yeah, we would we would go back and forth, and I'd go train with them and like try to get some insights. That's kind of how I how I met uh, Tom Callis and uh, Derek Kendall and John Jersey, all those guys from up north. And that's how like our friendship uh, took man. That's kind of how our friendship kind of like took off. And now uh, it's been kind of awesome because that's the one thing that I do love about powerlifting is like everybody's so nice and you get lifelong friends from a sport that you just is a hobby to most of us dude so it's, you, you it's know been, been pretty cool pretty. what's so cool for me yeah. is so i started powerlifting in about 2013 2014 somewhere around then i i started working out as a whole in 2012 as a mean of getting sober started crossfitting didn't like it um Trevor Jaffe actually, no, it wasn't Trevor Jaffe, but it was who Trevor Jaffe used to work with. This guy, Mike, who owned a gym in Fort Lauderdale, he knew my old boss and he came down and he did a little powerlifting seminar for the coaches and he taught us about Brandon and Lily's cube method. Okay. So this was like, this was like 2013, 2014. And I start following it and I fell in love with it. And that's where I just got immersed in the powerlifting. So by 2014, you know, I remember seeing videos of you. Like with the Lillibridges and stuff like that. And with Derek Kendall, this fucking mutant, and Dan Green and all these people in around 2014, 2015, you know, when all of them were competing against each other and, and, and Brandon Lilly was still competing and breaking records before his knee. I remember I was watching the live stream when, when his knee issues happened, when he, when he lost that squat. And, uh, you know, so now that I've... 
not that I've been in it a long time, but you and I both know that from then it was much smaller and to, to what it is now. So for, but for me, it's fucking crazy because I've never been the athlete. You know, I, I, I loved it. I, I started learning about it. I immersed myself into it. I started coaching it. I was at every Florida meet coaching. I competed a couple times myself, never was that great at it, but I loved the fucking sport as a whole. And, uh, you know, for years and years and years up until, you know, 2017, I was just this dude who worked worked at some small CrossFit gym in Florida that was at every single Florida meet. And then it's like, you know, working for the company that I worked for before and being able to have the exposure that I had and getting to meet, you know, fucking Dan Green and having Dan Green's phone number. And I text him. He's the nicest guy in the fucking world. And then, you know, meeting guys like you and I'm like, hold, Brandon Lilly, we message on Instagram. I'm like, dude, that's fucking crazy because I was just, you know, this young kid that was like 19, 20 years old watching all these videos before that they were everywhere. You know, you just have to be kind of part of that small culture. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's super it's super cool because I remember watching you Kamita. I remember seeing you with the Little Bridges. I remember Derek Kendall. I remember all those videos and all those days and Huck, the Huck Fins and all you guys together. So that's cool, man. And it's crazy. What's crazy to me now recapping and bringing this all back around is that's when you were starting. You know, like that is right when you had found the sport. You and I fucking found the sport like at the same time, you know, but you're just a that's goddamn wild. fucking freak, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, it's been a wild ride. I uh, I never really expected this from the jump. Like I never really expected to be like this immersed into it. Like right when I first started, I didn't have a job. I was laid off, and so I was like, I could put everything I had into powerlifting. And now through the ventures of going in and out, like I've had to. There was times of my of the career like I would force myself to take a job over the road just to make sure that I didn't train, just to make sure that I didn't have time for that, like just so I could like kind of get my personal life a little bit more together and have a job and be a positive person to the, the universe. But like I, I like forced myself to find a better balance between powerlifting because I like like I said the first two years I like immersed my entire life into it and I'm like put everything else in the back burner and I'm like nothing else matters I need 2200 like (laughs) it's funny I can laugh at it now but like I I, like I see some kids trying to do that today and I'm like relax relax you'll you'll get way better way better progression if your life is great and your powerlifting is going good, like if you if you keep that good balance to where you know you have a great job, you got a good wife, you got a good home to come home to, and like you make those things a priority first, the powerlifting will just take off with it. It's I, been pretty funny just go, going through that slope. I feel like that's that's um, and it's something that's different than it was back in 2014 versus now where there's more and more of like, you know, these kids and these up and comers and these people who are just putting everything and devoting everything to it and forgetting about having those other life factors and those other important things in their life. So then it's like, next thing you know, you fucking, you you know, you tear your pack, which should be a temporary setback, but however, it's now your entire world crumbles, you know, you don't have something to fall back upon. And then that's where, you know, these, these people there, there's no such thing as an off season. They need to be moving to that next thing, moving to that next thing. They don't have that life like you that you're like, (laughs) I'm able just to lay back and chill. I want to spend time with my wife. Let me focus on my career. You know, let me, let me work and shit like that. And that's where it's like, there's, there's so much opportunity in it, but then sometimes people put all their eggs in one basket. Right. And that's a fucking mistake. 
Yeah, big time. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, it's just funny now. Like, I saw myself do it so many times in the past. And, like, I, I had to learn the hard way. That's the typical story of, like, my life. Like, yeah. just got to learn the hard way and, and keep on going forward. But, uh, that, yeah, it's true. But I'm, I'm excited. And, like, I'm excited to where I'm at. And I love waking up every morning feeling and knowing that I'm the strongest power lifter in the world. Like, and I'm the strongest ever, you know. So that that's pretty gratifying, and uh, it makes makes up for all the sacrifices I did have to make along the way. And so I, I get a lot of people that TikTok and Instagram and whatever. It's just like, oh, your back's gonna be hurting in ten years. Like, <laughs> My back would have been hurting in ten years no matter what I was doing. Yeah, like, no shit, dude. The body breaks down. The body breaks down. Simple as that. <laughs> hundred percent yeah it's been a good ride i'm i'm extremely you know as happy with the way my progression went and where i'm at now it's, it's pretty satisfying it's, you know, i still gotta stay hungry because you're always on top of the mountain when you fall so it's uh one thing to, to be happy and satisfied but it's another thing to stay stay hungry about it because i think like we were talking earlier that 1200 put it bad now it's 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 burning inside of me now i need it Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And I can't, I can't wait to see it because it's, it's going to fucking happen. You know, it's going to fucking happen. So, so when, when was your transition to Florida? What brought you to Florida from Illinois? You lived in Illinois your whole life, right? And now you're Florida yeah, man. Yeah, it was uh, 2000. Well, the wife and I actually met at a powerlifting meet in 2015, Rome. And her boyfriend at the time was Spotty and Lodi. And I ended up winning the meet. So, nice. <laughs> I, uh, actually, you know, shoot or shoot. And uh, I saw her. She put a picture of the winners up on Instagram, and I got tagged in it. And I'm like, hey, who's this gorgeous Italian? Like, uh, no problem following her. And uh, yeah, we stayed friends. We uh, always were like, comment back and forth. Nothing too like flirty or anything like that. Like, she liked saving dogs, and I love dogs. And she liked eating plants, and I didn't mind looking at her butt. Like, <laughs> like we were just, you know. <laughs> and uh, 2017, uh, like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she had a, a post, and she's like, I just hit her, hit her up, and I'm like, hey, you're single, I'm single, what's up? And uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it happened. Um, 2019, from like October 1st to March 1st, we had 391 inches of snow in my hometown. And my dad, actually, we plow all the streets to Galva. We, like, we take care of the whole town when that happens. So there was quite a few 80, 125, 130-hour weeks. And Jesus. March 17th of 2000, 2020, I'm like, enough's enough. I'm moving to Florida. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, I got to get the hell out of here. And I, like, I had everything kind of squared away. My family knew and I like it was really the best thing for me because I do. I'm a big believer of uh, seasonal depression. I, just because I rem I know how my life goes from October to March when you it's dark when you go to work and it's dark when you get off work. Like that that's not a fun time. Like it's just almost you're depressed. Like I didn't want to go train. I didn't want to go anything. Now here in Florida. I wake up and walk in the backyard with the dog in my underwear and it's 80 degrees no matter Fuck what yeah. time of day. Yeah, just, yeah. The sun's out and it's just 
gorgeous. You, of course, it rains. Right now, it's a, it's a hurricane season. Like, it rains every day, but it's 15 minutes. Or walk 20 foot over there. And the sun is over there. Right. Exactly. The sun's still, and the sun's going to come out yeah. between that fucking rain. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just like an uncertainty. It's like it's certain in those other states that it's like it's going to get dark at 4, 4.30 p.m., you know? And it's like, yeah, my, my yeah. wife is from Massachusetts, and when we go up there and we visit in the winter, it's like cool for me because, like, oh, it's cold and it's different from Florida. But, yeah, like when I'm literally sitting in her house and it's 4 p.m. and it's nighttime, I'm just like, whoa, man, what the hell? And I, I felt just yeah. from spending a week at a time there, I felt like the damper on my mood and my energy, my productivity, everything, you know? So I can, I can, I can only imagine, man. I can only imagine. So Florida was the fucking move. Yeah. Florida was the move. <laughs> yeah, I had to do it. Had to do it. Well, we threw back, like, with her company, she could have easily moved up there. And we threw around the idea, too. But, like, my parents are fine. They're just, they're in their 60s. Everything's cool. Her parents are a little bit older. Like, right now, I live directly next door to her grandmother. Gorgeous Italian. I never go hungry. There's food <laughs> I constantly, yeah. Food constantly coming in my doorway from her. And then uh, about three houses down is where her mom lives. in this whole neighborhood, like, her sister lives over there, and like it's just it, it's, it's a perfect neighborhood. Of course, we're not exactly in Daytona, but it's right up right up, up above it. So I mean, Daytona's it's a different animal. <laughs> I'm sure you saw enough last weekend. It's uh, it's got its ups and its downs. Pretty grimy, but it's not horrible. <laughs> no, definitely when you when you're in Central Florida, finding one of those little little small pocket towns is the place to be, man. It's definitely the place to be for that. But, man, it, it, it circles back around to what you said where it's, like, it's so important to not, you know, put a, all your happiness into one thing, you know, and having other people around you and family around you and a significant other and, you know, not just letting your happiness rely on, on, on just powerlifting because it's, like, all those factors, those are, those are so damn important, you know, so damn important. Oh, 100%. Yeah, man. Yeah. 100%. And I, I, I really did get blessed with the Perfect Storm Gym. Like I never, it's literally 10, 10 minutes from my house and the people that go there are great. I do love the training partners that I have. Uh, we all just, it took a little while, like the first couple of months, I didn't know how to feel out to people. And everybody thought I was, you know, Dan Bell, the power lifter with the ego, but like, I, I've never been known as to have an ego or anything like that. But like, it took the first couple of months, everybody would be just like doing our own thing. Everybody's on their own schedule. But then like, after everybody got synced up, we all like kind of grooved into into place. Like, okay, Mondays they do their own thing. Thursday we're benching at five. Sunday we're benching or we're squatting or deadlifting at noon. Like, it's been just gorgeous. And the years of experience with the powerlifters that we do have there has been phenomenal. I've learned so much from Seth Alversworth, uh, Daniel Tunigero, uh, even Tommy and Gary, the owners. They're great people that just want the powerlifting community to succeed and thrive. And so far they've they've been doing pretty damn good for themselves too i mean hell last week with raw in town like that was big for them they made a lot of money off that they didn't charge astronomical like gold gym for a 20 dollars day pass it was 10 bucks 10 bucks all year round come in have a good time respect our shit we'll respect you like it's it's, it's been a, a gold mine to say the least that i just everything just fell into place for me down here i might everybody can see it since i moved down here my my career just went whoop, straight yeah. for straight up. It's like easy, easy go to. <sighs> and then that's that's huge and that's important because honestly, it's a diamond in the rough, right? Like powerlifting, it's I feel like it's it's getting big. You know, it's 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 understood, it's known, but there's still not 
it's not in every street corner. You know, it's not it's not in every fucking city. Like you come to Miami and like, you know, until uh, hybrid opened, there was like no powerlifting gyms here at all. Like I coached the powerlifting club in a corner of a CrossFit gym, you know, and we had no specialty equipment, nothing. I think little by little, you know, it's taking over more major cities, but it's like you didn't move to a major city. You know, you moved to Daytona and to be able to f- stumble <laughs> upon a gym that has a fucking monolift like that, that was fucking huge. And that was huge for your career. And, uh, you know, environment is everything because you can still stumble into a gym that has what you want and what you need. But if the environment is lacking, the environment isn't there, it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And that's like one of my number one goals going into opening Ghost Gym because it's like I've been to so many gyms that you, you know, been a, whether I've been a part of them or I've just been to and attended where it's just like there's so many different cultures and people looking at each other funny, whether it's the tested kids versus the untested kids. And, you know, uh, and I'm coaching one on each side and I can just see that they're not treating them each other with mutual respect. And it's like, again, from me being someone who's so passionate about the sport and love it and appreciative that it's a big part of my career and lets me live a very comfortable life, but still wanting to, you know, give back to it. It's like, that's my number one thing when I'm opening my gym. I want to be able to connect those worlds, everything in between, have bodybuilders in my gym also that are respectful and people aren't like, oh, why the fuck's there a bodybuilder and bodybuilding machines here? Like, unite those people and have people just fucking just respect each other, man. Fucking respect. That, that's all it is. It's, that's what it's about, you know? Yeah, well, we, I mean, you'll see it in every gym. I'm sure you've seen it plenty too, but there's going to be drama everywhere. And there's always going to be, especially if you get a room full of uh, test confused idiots and there's two if you're together for too long something's bound to happen somebody's yeah. gonna have a problem but like 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 what i would say you know teammates are they come and go it's that's part of the powerlifting and that's part of being an adult but we're all here on the same mission it's the next fucking kilo like like if we just keep that mindset and keep all the bullshit aside like everybody's gonna be good like yeah, sure, you're going to have to load the plate and unload the bar for the next person, but they're doing the same thing for you. Like, this is how it goes. Like, yeah. let's just ride out and get it, get it done together. Uh, it's, it's funny, but our, our, our gym's got a, we got great camaraderie, great uh, great people doing it. So, yeah, like you said, it's definitely a diamond in the rough. And uh, it, it's not, it doesn't happen very often at a lot of gyms. I've, I've seen it in the drama. It's unfolds quite, quite a few times, but uh, just to have that goal, and I like it has a little bit to do with the management and the owners too. So like, if you keep that principle, like, hey, we're all going to get along, no bullshit, like, blah blah blah. That's definitely going to be a great standard to have, and it's just going to carry you right through, especially in your neck of the woods. That powerlifting is going to start blowing up down there because everybody knows, like, that powerlifting in Miami, that's where big meets are. That's where things are popping. 100% man 100% it comes it comes down to just nipping in the bud and not letting that shit uh, uh pile up and I'm 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 good at laying down the law I'm good at you know telling people to cut the <laughs> shit so the, I, I'm not I'm not yeah. concerned about that there'll be plenty of that but yeah man dude fuck yeah it's been fun man I en- I enjoyed this fucking conversation I'm stoked No kidding So fucking here, man. It's, it's good So here we are we're about 4 months out from November the goal for November, you're competing in sleeves, right? I don't know if we talk. I don't know if we said yeah. the name of the meet yeah. earlier. What's the, what's the meet? It's a fall brawl, live large fall brawl in uh, Canton, Ohio. Yeah, I'm planning on going uh, 2,500 in sleeves and kind of nailing the coffin on that too. Um, that's that's just my plan. I'm 
90% sure it's going to be there. Uh, 1025 squat, 600 bench, 900 pull. So I'll be like uh, somewhere around, you know, 25, 13, kind of like the, the end goal. 25, 13 foot Andre's record on the sleeves and then step away and let Ray have his fun with it after that. Cause I know he finished for 25 and that's been in the tank. Too bad he got COVID, but... I think Ray 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 could take it back for me, and I'll have zero problem with that. Ray how how, how, how old is Ray? Ray Ray's, an, Ray's an awesome dude. Awesome dude. I was able to host him. Uh, we did the Ray Williams Classic down in Miami, and I was able to be involved with that meet. Yeah. But um, I know he's, he's he had he had multiple health issues because when he came down here, he talked to us a bit about some some different issues and some different setbacks. And I was definitely excited to see him at Raw Nationals because he doesn't really post much of his training at, at all. You know, yeah, so. It, it's definitely it's definitely an uncertainty. You never know. He could come back, or there's like this 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 guy. Have you heard of uh, Jesus? Yeah, Jesus Alvarez. Yeah, yeah that kid is yeah. a tank, man. That kid is a freaking yeah. tank. His uh, his squats and he has a solid day. That nine twenty five that he had. That, that a lot of people nine twenty five in sleeves like that's outrageous. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I've done a thousand, but nine hundred in sleeves like yeah, and now. I can remember. I can remember when 900 wraps was like so unheard of. I can remember too, because again, that was those. That's those days that we were talking about watching those raw unity meets, watching the meets out in Australia and stuff like that that people were traveling to, watching the UPA meets that you guys were doing up there in Illinois, and uh, yeah, no, now now it's it's the, it's the freaking norm. It's like if you're not, you're a fucking loser. Get out. Of here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there you go. Set set the bar. T- take the all time world record in sleeves you know lay it down and say all right boys here you go come for it right and then we're gonna we're gonna circle back around work towards february the ghost clash and there we're we're, you're gonna set the bar and that that you know that's gonna be that's gonna be the big one yeah that's that's the main goal and um either way i mean even just kind of like the current you know things could not not really go my way but i'm there's going to be a lot of weight on the bar. There's, I mean, 1,200 is the main goal, but I'm, I'm going to do anything I can just to be 2,606 because that, that, at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. And 1,200 will will be one. I'm 90% sure I'm going to have 1,200 on the bar, but you got to have the perfect day and pick it up. But yeah, that's, exactly. That's my big goal, and I'm, it's, uh, it's an honor to do it at another one of your meets. I think that uh, something just to circle back on that, that it comes down to is just proper uh, attempt selection, smart, well thought out attempt selection. I think looking at your history and looking at all your meets, you do an excellent job of doing that and planning exactly what needs to be done on what attempt to set you up correctly. So I'm excited to see that. Oh, yeah, man. It's a long, long time coming, but yeah, thank you. Hell yeah, bro. So. If you guys, I mean, they should probably already know, but where can people find you, Dan Bell? Uh, yeah, D Bell seventy four on Instagram. Uh, my TikTok blowing up, but I don't really post the nerdy shit that all everybody else does. <laughs> uh, I got a, <laughs> I got a YouTube channel too, but it's not. I don't post much on there, but most, mostly all my social media outlets up through Instagram. So yeah, and, uh, all my sponsors are on my link tree. Go look at them if you want to. But, this was a real big, big honor, man. I, I did have a great time sitting down here and bullshit with you. Thank you again. Absolutely, Appreciate man. Yeah, thanks a ton for coming, uh, coming on and, and talking with me.
So check him out on Instagram. Check out all his sponsors. He has his codes. Use those codes. Support this man. This man is, you know, not someone who's trying to make a, a full career out of powerlifting, putting everything in it. So any and all that support and the companies that he supports helps him. So, Dan, thank you so much, and we'll see you in February.